Hey guys, welcome to Repitch, where we revisit, review, and redo movies. And the next couple of weeks, we're gonna do things. Oh, wait, I'm Richard, and this is my great co-host, David. Thank you. What's up, guys? <laughs> yeah. no, I'm thrown off because we are, we are doing something crazy where we're gonna yes. try to repitch a prequel to a, a good movies. Right. So this new segment, pre-pitches. Pre-pitches. David, what are we gonna pre-pitch today? So one of my, or not one of my favorite, it is my favorite movie of all time, Back to the Future. <laughs> it's, it's, it's literally your poster. Yep, exactly. David. No, this is going to be a lot of hate. And I think, you know, granted, if I was on the other side of this, oh. I'd be like, why are you doing that? No, like, why is this fool touching this possibly perfect movie? <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I think there's no, at, everybody knows this movie, Oh yeah. you know, came out in 1985. Steven Spielberg produced uh, Robert Zemeckis film. Oh my god! <laughs> um, and a cultural and financial success. Yeah, all of the ways that you can think of, and just the way it affected culture. Like I think mm-hmm. literally everything about it is great. The style, the story, the acting, mm-hmm. the music somehow is still good today. Oh, amazing! <laughs> now it's the same composer as the composer for the Avengers. If you didn't oh, know. is it? Oh, interesting. Yeah. What happened? Alan Silvestri. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to this game? But like, yeah, but like, oh, that's so interesting. That, but I, I, I could, I could see that. But uh, David, let me know. You have, you have fun facts. I want to hear that. But I want to ask you, why is this your favorite movie? That's a very bold statement. Like, why is yeah. this your favorite movie? You know, every year I think about what my favorite is, and this one easily is the my favorite, just because. The rewatchability of it, mm-hmm. um, I never get tired of it. And the reason being is because it's it's got such a good taste of like every everything. It's got a little bit of fun action. It's comedic. It's fun. And it's got that romance story, oh, yeah. sci-fi aspects to it. Um, and a lot of the casting's great. Mm-hmm. Michael Everybody B. Jordan. Play, yeah. <laughs> no, no, Michael. <laughs> What's his name? Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox. Great. Oh, my it. God. That's so funny you said that. <laughs> you ever, did you watch, just side note, you watch Abbott, Abbott Elementary? Yeah, great, great. One of the greatest shows right now. So there's a there's an episode where they talk about how like one of the teachers, she mixes up black actors and yes. white actors. Yes. And one of them was Michael J. Fox and Michael B. Jordan. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> I mean, I might have that, but yeah, like <laughs> go on, great casting. Yes, great casting. Michael and J. Fox. <laughs> you know, touch by the hands of steven spielberg oh, so yeah. you know it's gonna be good now let me tell you give you the numbers for this movie yeah, actually i'm curious i'm curious so opening weekend this did 11 million now in today's time it's, yeah. it doesn't sound good but let me give you the rest of the numbers okay now domestically domestic box office it ended up doing 212 million wow. internationally it did 173 so worldwide total it ended up being 385 mil little over that with inflation and like thinking about that's at least half a million yeah yeah it's gonna be about 500 that's and ins- now that's crazy <laughs> you want to know why this is such a success the why? production budget on this was 19 million that's it <laughs> exactly Weird. a modest modest production budget you know amount uh even for like you know that time too like hollywood and even like if you think about it today, movies are what at least a hundred mil. At least, yeah, that's like down. Like, <laughs> I don't want to go there, but like, there's some terrible movies with millions of dollars of budget. I'm like, where did it all go? Mm-hmm. So just at a measly wow. nineteen mil, it raked in three hundred eighty-five mil. That's insane, and that's just the first movie. Yes, <laughs> yeah, just and the like, first movie. That's not including merchandise, the TV cartoon TV show it's made, and other things mm. like that. Exactly. You know, um, before we recorded this, David, you I mentioned that I'm gonna say something about this movie that's gonna frustrate <laughs> you. Are you are you ready for it? What is it? What is it? Bring it on, David. This is my least favorite Back to the Future movie. Wow, <laughs> wow. David, Which one is your wait, favorite? Let then? me, Thir- let me, <laughs> let me. Let me give you my order and give you my reasoning. Okay. My, my favorite Back to the Future movie is the third one. 
Okay. Then the second one, then the last, then the first one. <laughs> so it's just backwards. It's back. The reason why uh, is because I didn't own these movies on DVD or VHS. I uh-huh. watched it on TV and I watched it in the wrong order. <laughs> it it never concurred to me as a kid that I it didn't make sense. Like I knew like oh like this is interesting. Like the first movie I ever seen was the third movie. I'm like oh shoot cowboys uh-huh. that's really cool. <laughs> like oh what there's a train that goes back in time. That's awesome. <laughs> just, like, just, like, it's really interesting. So like it's the same reason why like. It's like whatever first movie you watch is probably your favorite. Like this is the reason why Ghost I like Got Ghostbusters you. two better than the first one. Even though I know first one's better, I like number right. two better because I watched the first. <laughs> gotcha. Said that nostalgia effect. Oh, yeah. that like exactly. Yeah. That's the other. I, I I thought you'd be a little bit more mad, but yeah. <laughs> no, no, I get it. I get it. no because there's definitely a lot of movies for me too where it's like oh because I saw this first. Uh, this is definitely oh, yeah. like what I like, uh-huh. but. I mean, I, I it's a little questionable, but I get it. <laughs> oh man! In my pursuit to get David mad at me to yell at me, I have not succeeded. Maybe one day, one day. <laughs> but David, you you said you have some uh, fun facts about this film. Yeah. Um. So, just like with any great movie, it's got a lot of history behind it. Of course. Um. A lot of obstacles they had to go through. Um. You know, hoops to jump through. Now it. This wasn't a movie that was just picked up right away. I think the script was first made in the early 80s before. Um, and it was bought initially by a different studio oh, okay. under Columbia Pictures. Oh. Um, and at that time, there was a studio head there uh, by the name of Frank Price. He's legendary studio head writer. Um, he brought some of the greatest movies out there. A lot of Spielberg movies like mm-hmm. E.T. and oh, such wow. blockbusters like that. Um, but then there was a time after they he read the script, they he kind of shelved it with no reason or any kind of like explanation for why. And, you know, uh, Robert Zemeckis and Bob Gale both were just kind of like, you know, up in the air now. They didn't know what to do. And the, the history behind that, though, is also Robert Zemeckis. He was doing a string of movies that were flops. He was not a great director to begin with mm-hmm. um, in the eyes of studio heads. And then finally, he got his break in Romancing with the Stones. Okay. Don't know uh, old, old Michael Douglas movie. Okay. Um, and that gave him the leverage and leeway to be able to be the head director for Back to the Future. Wow. Um, but the, the issue here was uh, that they had to go get the script back from Frank Price, who is now the head of um, Universal Studios. Oh, interesting. Which is where, you know, Spielberg was a big part of, and he was able to make his production studio, Amblin, movie, Am- Amblin uh, Entertainment, mm-hmm. under Universal. And they thought it was going to be a big issue, but it turns out Frank Price actually loved the script when it, he was over at Columbia. And the reason why he shelved it was because he knew that he was going to leave Columbia and he wanted he wanted to be the one to make it. Oh. So like when he went to Universal Studios, he, as soon as they got it, he was just like, yeah, of course, do what you need to do. Oh, and so he was just holding he gave, it on for the right time. Yeah, he was holding it. Wow. Just holding on cool. to it. And that's crazy that if it came out any earlier, it would, it might it probably wouldn't be as successful as it is today. Yeah, it's, which is uh, kind of like so interesting you know yeah. like even in that waiting um it it helped create that movie and made that movie that much better in that way um now everything about this movie i think it's just great from the music to oh, yeah. all the the story like i was telling you about um did you know that they originally filmed this half of the movie with a different actor the main character? michael j Fuck. yeah <laughs> they filmed it with an with an actor named Eric Stoltz. Um, Why does he sound so familiar? Who is he? So he is most famous for this role in, what is it called? Mask. And like a lot of like these scary movies. Um, and mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that movie where like the guy with like the really like kind of like ugly face, long face? Uh, but no, but why did they film half a movie and what happened to him? Did he just leave? So... The reason why he was so 
long story short, the original actor that Bob Zemeckis really wanted was Michael J. Fox. Okay. But at that time, Michael J. Fox was doing Family Ties, a t- the TV show. Oh. And he was, uh, you know, his commitment to that was, you know, there. Mm-hmm. And like they, they thought that they were not going to get him. So they, they just kind of gave up on that. And then another one of the producers or the studio head, he was so sold on Eric Stoltz being like the next big thing that he was like, they, we got to use him. We got to use him. Um, but, you know, they were not, the director was, Robert Zemeckis was not sold on him. Um, they ended up actually auditioning a few other people, and which were C. Thomas Howell, John Cryer, and Ben Stiller, a young Ben Stiller ben auditioned Stiller. for the yeah interesting okay auditioned for the role of uh, Marty. Uh, ultimately, they went with Eric Stoltz, but the issue was Eric Stoltz did not see the movie as a comedy. He saw it as such a sad tale because, like in his mind, when he was reading the script, he's like, you know, this guy went into the past and he's coming to this back to his future. Interesting and. And he, the way he explained it was like, oh, you know, this character is like living a lie now. Like he remembers things that everybody else in his world does not remember. And of course, the rest of the crew and, you know, the director were like, no, that's, that's <laughs> so wrong. That sounds like a really yeah, so, boring movie. Like a, not, like yeah, a bad so, movie. <laughs> so he took the role way too seriously. And like there were so many problems they... But they continued through because, you know, the thought of changing an actor midway through was just so unheard out of. there and like unheard of. Yeah. And they didn't think it was possible. So like they would do so many different shots with Eric Stoltz and they would have to like cut it together and be like, oh, OK, he was good here. He was good there. Things like that. But at the end of the day, ultimately, they were just like, no, we, we can't do this. Get, get this guy we, out of here. <laughs> yeah. And then Robert Zemeckis was like, you know, like, I want Michael J. Fox. Wow. So. They ended up going to Family Ties Studios, um, speaking to the producer of Family Ties. Interesting. And then his only thing was, you know, his TV show comes first. No matter what mm-hmm. Michael J. Fox does, he has to have that commitment for the TV show. And then they brought in Michael J. Fox. Michael J. Fox, of course, he was freaking out because he thought he was going to get fired from Family Ties. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. he's all these execs were there. But then they <clears throat> gave him the script. And they're like, you know, go think about it. Think about what you, if you want to do this movie or not. But for him, he he saw the script size of, you know, the movie. And then he was holding a script for like the TV show. And he's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to do this movie. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's like without question. That's interesting. And, you know, of course, all the cast and crew, as soon as Michael J. Fox signed on, they were like, is this really like a good idea halfway through we just gotta reshoot everything now like yeah. what the heck oh quick fun fact because yeah, yeah. of the recasting of michael j fox they also had to recast the role for jennifer the his girlfriend why um height <laughs> height was a <laughs> but huge he's a issue short guy yeah, yeah 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 and like they even went around asking some of the crew members female crew members like would you date a guy shorter than you they're all just like no definitely uh. not um, and you know who originally was playing Jennifer? Who? Melora Hardin, better known as Jan Levinson from The Office. Oh, I, I can't see that. Damn, yep. it sounds like a movie about time travel. Someone came back from time to tell them what not to do and to do to make this perfect movie. <laughs> yeah, and I think you know a lot of the decision-making that went into it ultimately just worked in their favor, and it, it went well after Michael J. Fox was actually cast into it, the rest is history. Um, I think, you know, the cast who were all like iffy about this, I think he came onto set and the first, after he gave that first line, everybody started cracking up and they're like, oh, this is it. This is the movie we need to make. Oh, that's so interesting. I mean, again, yeah. like, again, like the character that written, he's a perfect character. There's no flaws about him. But like it works and it's fun. It's like you know we talked about it. Why do films before two thousands feel so much lighter and like it's a simple mm. premise? But like yeah. it's like brand new. It's not like about just stand up for yourself. But like the idea of a son teaching his father how to be a man like that's new and just like I like it's 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 a great film. Yeah, I I think I agree with you on that. Yeah. I think 
And like the way the writer even came up with this movie was, uh, I think he said that he was, he visited his family's house, his mm-hmm. parents' house, and he was just cleaning out the basement and he found his dad's yearbook. And he know, he saw that in the yearbook, his dad was class president. Oh, okay. And then it's just one of those facts where he's like, oh, I just, I, I never knew that about my parents. And then that started this fact like, oh, what would it be like if I went to school with my parents? Oh. And then like. That's just kind of like started the whole story. I thought you were going to say something cool there, right? He was looking through the yearbook and he saw a guy that looked just like him. <laughs> just like, <so> that, <laughs> was, that'd be really cool. But like, oh, that's, actually, I like that. That's that's that's, yeah. that's so yeah. good. Any other And fact? it's also, yeah, other fun facts actually. Christopher Lloyd actually did not do the mo- want to do the movie at first. Really? He, okay. When he first got the script, he threw it out. <laughs> and then his wife was like, you got to do this. Read it and then think about it. And then after he read it, of course, he was like, all right, let's do this. The wisdom of a good woman sees another man. <laughs> yes. I, I, I Honestly, I can't think of anyone else to play Doc than him. Christopher honestly, Lord. yeah. He brought such a great oh, yeah. character, iconic character now that everybody knows. It's He does. Oh, man. Yeah. I think he, for him... That's the role that everybody's gonna remember him for. Oh, for sure, hundred percent. I, yeah. I can't think of any other film that he's in, but that one. And I, <laughs> I do know one where he gets frozen, but, but other than that, <laughs> he was also um, I, I forget this a lot, but he was the bad guy in uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. He was, but like again, right? Yeah, yeah, he's not. But damn, um, anything else you want to share about this movie before we go on to do yes, the impossible? I mean, <laughs> This movie was nothing short of its weirdos. We also, I mean, obviously we heard about Eric Stoltz. Oh, yeah. And the issues with him. But there was an actual kind of weird guy, and that was Crispin Glover. Crispin Glover? <laughs> Crispin Glover. I think you might know, remember him from uh, the first Charlie's Angels movies, that weird guy. Oh, who, the like, father. Cost- right? Yeah, yeah. He's he plays yeah he's yeah, a yeah. father. He is in shit. Yeah, I was thinking like this guy looks really familiar, but yeah, he's a he's a weirdo. But he is an actual weirdo. Apparently, some of the oh, stories no. <laughs> that that are said, um, he had a lot of issues with the director, um, to the point where like you know, he would continuously go out of frame, um, and <laughs> things like that go out. And but and his reasoning would be like, oh. George McFly wouldn't do this. He would want to go here. He would want to do this. Jeez. And then there's also one part where he was like, oh, yeah, I don't think George McFly would open the door or something <laughs> like that. And like, oh, my goodness, just like those those kind of things. And on top of that, there's a story about how he wanted to practice his lines with Leah Thompson, uh-huh. who plays Lorraine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he invites him to his apartment. And oh my God. <laughs> It's not as it's not okay, as okay. weird. It's I'll, not I'll, bad. I'll, I'm like preparing but it's myself. Weird. Okay. So what actually happens is they both are painting, right? He's he's like I think they're both painting or something, and then he paints a volcano. After he's done, he looks at it. He's like, hmm, and then that was it. <laughs> that was Sorry, it. What? <laughs> yeah. What? So that's uh, supposedly that is the story, like of what happened. That's that's something else, I guess, David. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's not it's completely weird, different direction than what you thought, right? Oh my God. Okay, I was thinking some horror stories. Of like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, that's a that's weird. <laughs> yeah. So that's that. Um, one o- other fun fact: okay. the original ending for the movie was actually uh, supposed to use an atomic bomb to power the car. Oof. Okay. <laughs> but of course. They scrapped that and went with uh, what they have now. That's probably best. That I mean, that yeah. scene's iconic. The lightning bolt and everything. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, those are just tidbits of fun facts that, you know, for this great movie. Uh, there's so many more backstory to it. I know there's a um, show on Netflix called uh, Movies That Made Us. And there's a whole documentary about the behind the scenes of how this movie get, got made. So. Interesting. If you guys are interested, check it out. Interesting. Oh, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I might actually check that out. That sounds really cool. Yeah, actually, that whole series is very interesting. It's not long. It's like maybe like 40-minute episodes. And they go through all like pretty big movies, blockbuster movies. Any any movies in mind that stuck out? Um, I mean, of course, Die Hard, oh. Nightmare Before Christmas. They go through a bunch of like horror Halloween 
Um, what else is there? Like, I think E.T. and I think Home Alone was on there. Um, so a lot of interesting ones. I think you'll okay. find uh, interesting. Interesting. All right. So are <laughs> we are we at that moment, David, where we're going to do the impossible? Oh, man, I'm trying to drag it out because I'm so scared. <laughs> but yes, yeah. I think we're finally at that time. I, I thought about it, David. I don't know why I'm touching my plant there, but <laughs> I'm not going to give you the red light and green light. I think what we're going to do is we're going to team up. We're going to work together to make this in a way we feel like, you know what? I could actually see this happening. All right. Because All right. I, I like that because, hey, like I said before, if I was in your <laughs> chair right now hearing this, I'd be like, why are you doing that? No. There's no reason for this. It's, Don't do it. it. This would be too easy to give a red light. But I don't know. Yeah. Let, let's, yeah. let's work together to make that green light. But David, you did the hard right. work. You should do the impossible <laughs> work of pitching, of about we're thinking about making a prequel, but let's do it. Yes. So here we go. Okay. So I got this idea. Um, now, if you've seen the movie, in the beginning of the movie, uh, you hear Doc Brown give this line when he's talking to Marty on the phone. Mm -hmm. Marty asks him, where have you been all week? Um, and obviously, Doc Brown doesn't give a clear answer. Mm -hmm. But the indication is that he's been working on his time machine and doing what he needs to do to like put it together. So in my mind, it was like, oh, what did he do? Mm. And he, we know that he stole plutonium. He got it for terrorists. He, was, he made them a <laughs> fake bomb and things like that. So I was thinking, hey, why not make a prequel <laughs> movie about Doc Brown stealing this plutonium from the lab? Okay, okay. So it's like a kind of like crazy, like heist sci-fi film, I guess you could say. Okay. All right, all right. So I see the heist film, but I'm still curious about the sci-fi. But go on. So sci-fi is just purely the whole Doc Brown side of it. Okay, um, okay. I think the tagline that I had going for this was, genius, science, genius scientist Doc Brown must work with an unlikely group of terrorists in order to <laughs> steal heavily guarded plutonium for them <laughs> when, when is this a prequel for today being made today y yes i would say yes and <sighs> okay i would do this i think the easiest and best way to do it is at make it an animated movie interesting okay uh oh that's i like that but oh okay i might have issues but i, I, I thought about this, this would so if and i thought of, i try to think of so many different animation styles what would be good with it like hand drawn yeah, yeah. or um, oh, okay. 3D. Wow. You thought you thought but, a lot about this, but go on. Yeah. So I was thinking ultimately, I I don't know if you've seen this. There's a recent loop in the third movie that came out. Oh yeah, that was a great. 3D. I seen some clips about it. Great. Yeah, and the animation really caught me. I was like, oh, this is this is really good. It's and I think it's 3D, but very smooth. Yeah, yeah, and I think if I had to pick an animation style, I would go with that. Okay, interesting. Um, but okay, give me the, give me the story. Give me that basic outline. What happens? You, right, there's so, terrorists in this, in this yep. Doc Brown. But yeah, what else? So there's terrorists involved in this. I think you know, obviously, in the three three act breakdown, um, in the intro, uh, it's pretty much Doc Brown at home. He's working on the time machine, and he's trying to power it, but. He does. He can't. There's no way for him to generate enough power, and then he remembers that he needs that plutonium. Ultimately, he ends up going to some like convention where he, a genius convention per se. Um, I want a lot of comedic aspects to this. Of course. I think the core of it should be comedy and fun tidbits. Like let's throw in like Rick and Morty in this convention. See if like for them to show up. I think. Mm. You bring that up, but go on, David. Okay. <laughs> I mean, not they're not part of the movie, just like, you know, little cameos. Okay, okay. Um, so he's at this convention where he, you know, where he goes to these different exhibits and he sees one, you know, about harnessing plutonium energy or like getting plutonium energy or using it. Um, and as he views, as he's viewing this, he sees a, a weird group of people right next to him looking at the same thing. Um, and it's, of course, that Libyan terrorist group. <laughs> and okay, that's a left swing, but go on. <laughs> so, ultimately, 
they uh they begin to talk about like you know the power of this uh the energy power that plutonium can give and both of them are going in different directions obviously doc brown wants to do this to power his invention Mm -hmm. and the other group is obviously trying to create a bomb (laughs) (laughs) okay now ultimately they go their separate ways but he gets captured he gets kidnapped by these group of terrorists and he's uh kind of being interrogated and he's trying he's getting forced into the like trying to steal this plutonium for them okay but okay. ultimately doc brown he more so than scared doc brown is interested <laughs> because he realizes this might be one of the few ways for him to successfully get what he needs for his experiment okay because okay. for him he's willing to do whatever it takes to to uh get his experiment going and like successfully make it work um so the intro was be that part like him getting kidnapped intro to what he needs who the character is okay uh second arc would be second act would be about you know of course just like with any heist movie you need the you need the plan montage of course and then the actual heist montage um now this part i kind of wanted the heist to be a bit more i guess in the words of heist this would be a stealth raid okay um so kind of secret secrecy but i think to bring out the comedy aspect of it i think i want a lot of the things to go wrong for doc brown and so but, he's there he's he's part of the heist yeah, yeah he's part of the heist he's fully in it he's committed to it because you know in the back of his mind he's gonna steal this plutonium for himself okay um so but then to really showcase like you know his genius level and like his ability to kind of pivot and any uh at any obstacle Mm -hmm. um i want the original plans to kind of just go sideways each time Mm -hmm. or like a lot of the times and then this really lets doc brown kind of like come up with something on the spot whether he uses his science ingenuity and things like that to make it all work now ultimately of course they they're able to get it as they successfully get the plutonium and they bring him back to their hideout and they keep him captive, of course, because they want him to make the bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, and Doc tries to come up with an escape plan, but then he decides ultimately, maybe I can do something here. And he does. He Act three is pr- pretty much about the bait and switch. He He's kind of like captured in this place and then he creates a sh- shoddy bomb with pinball machine parts okay um gives them the fake bomb and then doc brown he's able to take what he needs go back to his lab his own lab finish up his invention and things like that and um you the ending would be him loading up his time machine in the truck grabbing a bulletproof vest and the 1955 letter that marty gives him that warns him Okay. Um, and then other ending would be, of course, the terrorists trying to set this bomb off, but of course it doesn't work, which angers them and tries to go searching, makes them go searching for Doc Brown. And yeah, that's pretty much the gist of it. Okay. All right. So it's, it's uh, supposed to be like a full circle. It leads up into the moment where Marty and Doc Brown meet in the first movie. Okay. Okay. I mean, I love the cohesiveness, and this, this is a movie, right? Yeah, yeah, it's supposed to be a movie. And I'm, I'm assuming because it's uh, animated, you're going to have the same actors. Right. So, yeah, in order to, I think there's no other person to play Doc Brown. No. It's got to be Christopher Lloyd. No, no, I Even can't. if it's just voice, it's got to be him. So. Yeah. Oh, David, my only issue, my, my biggest issue with this is it's kind of boring. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like Back to the Future. He's they're literally going back in time, and you're pitching a prequel where there's no time travel. Like I understand that, like mm-hmm. I understand that like he needs it to time travel, but like there's no failed experiments where he accidentally goes back in time but doesn't have control over it or something like that. And like you bring up, you bring up cartoons, and you even bring up Rick and Morty because like that series 
heavily inspired by Back to the Future. Right. And like, if you make an animated film, people are going to compare it to Back to Rick and Morty. Yeah. What do you, yeah, yeah. What do you think about leaning into that and kind of having like a shared, I'm not a shared universe, but like, that so you're saying use Rick and Morty exactly. more? Use it so, not more, but like so like they are part of the cast, like kind of like you. Mm, I feel like I think I think that nah, would take away from Back would, to the would, Future. Then would, that would just become a Rick and Morty episode, exactly. But like people would watch that. <laughs> but the, the, I don't want people to no, watch no, it for Rick and no, Morty. Right. I want people to watch it for Back to the Future. No, I agree, <laughs> but my only like again the heist idea and like mm. I feel. I like mean, I think. It's, a lot of it can be elevated with whatever gadgetry he uses exactly. and things like that. And I think that's where it comes down to. Um, obviously, I, I haven't thought that deep enough yeah, into yeah. this pitch. Um, so, like, crazy gadgets that he comes up with and makes, I think, okay. can kind of level it to that field. What do you think about then uh, Doc Brown meeting a future Doc Brown from a like alternative timeline that has a mm. working thing, and you kind of see him like as a darker, more evil Doc Doc Brown kind of thing. Like this guy's clearly shady, and like it's like, oh yeah, let me help you get the plutonium. And like, you know, Doc, I I always thought that was weird. Like, why is this cookie ter- cookie scientist that's kind hearted get working with terrorists and make a fake bomb? Like. Wouldn't mm. it kind of make more sense? Like, oh, that wasn't me. That was my quote-unquote evil twin from a different timeline. But wouldn't that spark the question of, like, if that's the case, why didn't why didn't he just get the plutonium from that future self? Like, why didn't like, he, he just share. get that? <laughs> <laughs> so get your own. He's just like sharing with yeah. his future. Self. So the guy decides to come back and help his past self, but he's not going to share anything with. Maybe his past he's not self. even share. Like he like that that future future that that alternate timeline. Doc Brown is he's like the he's the antagonist the whole time, and like Doc True. Brown is going to fight, and like that's the plutonium plutonium that he steals. Maybe like they're working together. Like oh, I'm stranded in your universe let's get a let's help me save it and I'm, i'll show you this awesome device this awesome way to time travel something like that but like i don't know you know what i mean i feel like because uh i mean I, I i'll say like doc i think when it comes to doc, doc brown he's not far from doing what needs to be done okay because okay. i think one of the scenes in back to the future that kind of shows that he's he bribes a police officer <laughs> he does so like this is the same guy who's gonna bribe a police officer. He's definitely willing to work with terrorists to oh, get what he a, needs. That's a huge <laughs> lab. like bribing a like people do that, but like like working with terrorists. That's like a huge <laughs> like whoa. But I mean, uh, you know, what I, you know what I mean. So let's right? let's yeah. So let's work with that. Let's let's okay, go so, with so, this future self coming back. You know what? Let's. I I, I want to respect you. Let's do the heist. Mm-hmm. How do we make it more fantastical? How do we how do we make it more fun? Well, I I want to ask you this though, like if we got that future self to come back, yeah, what what's what what's what's happening there? If so, the heist wouldn't happen then. Like what? We, we can keep the heist. Maybe like this this future Doc Brown. We don't know it, but like maybe he's the one in charge of making the heist. He's like mm. he's a George Clooney, but like halfway through, we find out like, yo, this is just evil Doc Brown. <laughs> uh, what do you mm. think about that? I want to I want to stick true. I don't want to scrap your thing, but this is, it is a good idea. I just want to, I wanted to give it that Back to the Future flavor, like oh, like, right, you know what I mean? Like I don't want so I don't was like I would hate it to go into watch a prequel and it's like this isn't this doesn't feel like a prequel. You know what I mean? I get I get what you're saying. Yeah, like it like how do how do we incorporate time travel without using time travel? I guess that's that's the way. Yeah. I feel like the only, <laughs> but I mean, Man, yeah, I, like I, what you brought up, I think it might be the safest way of doing it, like uh, bringing a future self. But like in the movie, he talks like this future self talked to his past self, which is interesting, mm-hmm. and seeing that it's like, oh, this is weird, but like, kind of interesting. Right. <sighs> so again, 
why does that future self come back and why does he want to help his past self? Because so the future self, he's stuck in this timeline and he's not helping himself. He he is trying to help himself <laughs> mm. to, to escape this timeline and get plutonium so he can go back to his world or whatever time. But like ah uh, okay, so it's just pretty much Back to the Future with Doc Brown, like yeah, like, exactly. Like, like, like the first movie with Doc Brown. It's Doc Brown versus Doc Brown. So we, and that I think it'd be interesting to see another side of Doc Brown where like he's his own man. <laughs> and, uh, hmm. But you are right. He is not like he's not a snowflake. He's 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 definitely like does what he needs to do to make his research yeah. succeed for sure. Okay, let's give this because um, I guess we're going in the direction of trying to make this second Doc Brown a little bit more of a villain. Okay, what 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 makes him that? What drives him in that direction? Like, what are we gonna do with him? Like, why is he, he a- is he trying to harm this past Doc Brown? Is he trying to like steal something from him? Uh, or this, is he- this is why I hate time travel in any kind <laughs> of because it gets very not tricky but very convoluted and just like ugh, unnecessarily right. annoying right there's a lot of pieces to it like you got to think about and consider yeah do we agree that this doc brown is in the same timeline or different timeline I different universe as it would have to be a different like hmm because like even in the movie like what's his name I'm, i was just gonna say morty michael j fox <laughs> he helps his parents get back together but he changes his timeline by making his parents like you know more self-assured and successful creating a new timeline exactly so is that we're gonna we agree on that that any anytime there's time traveling you're right it's gonna spark a new timeline. yeah you're branching off to another one okay 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 so very similar to mcu all right all right so let's do that so maybe in this timeline um this doc brown maybe a little bit more crazier, a little bit more wild, comes in with his first time machine, but utterly fails. He's scarred, he's messed up, so he's visibly in pain and angry. Okay, okay. But he's still clearly Doc Brown. All right. You know what I mean? That's kind of, this sound kind of like, I'm. we're dangerously getting close to a Rick and Morty episode, I feel like. That, that's, the, that's the problem. That is like, the yeah. whole idea of like we're playing with this multiverse thing yeah, and yeah. having a different Doc Brown come in, it is borderline Rick and Morty. It really and, is. But I, I do like the fun aspect of it where it is another play on the Back to the Future story. Because the funny thing about the fact Back to the Future trilogy is that the first and second movie are pretty identical. You know, yeah, like well, of course, yeah. Like the way that they do it, but it's still in, so enjoyable. So mm-hmm. like to create that in the prequel sense, like Doc Brown has already been through what he's going to be going through in the next two movies. I I think that's kind of fun. Yeah. But of course, we don't want to repeat the same thing. No. Like we don't want it to be a carbon copy. Maybe we see like a gladiator thing where all Doc Browns in different universes fight each other. We see Doc Brown, the train conductor that travels <laughs> No, that's a Rick and Morty that episode. Is, okay, I need to get away from that mind. Because, like, again, Rick and Morty is inspired, clearly inspired by Back to the Future in a more nihilist right. way. But I can't help but just lean towards that. Even, I mean, if I, I, I got to agree with you. If we're going to do it in this day and age, I think that's what people would be expecting, exactly. that type of craziness in this kind of story. <sighs> I was just thinking about evil Michael J. Fox, but that's that's definitely that's literally <laughs> that's evil Morty. <laughs> that's evil Morty. Oh, that's so frustrating. Oh, this is oh, this is hard. Dude. I don't know how to get out of this hole. <laughs> right. So, bring it back. Bring it back. Bring Keep it, back. it ground. A little bit more grounded. All right. Um, you know what? Let's let's scrap evil Doc Brown, and just keep true to yours. And how do we make it more? How do we give it the magic? Um, I feel like you have to involve I mean, some kind of time, like time travel, in a smaller scale or more crazier scale. Yeah, no, I, I do. I like that idea that you you're bringing in, like to use time travel in this movie. I think you're right. M- have not having that there is, takes it away from this whole series. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, and, and it's hard because this is supposed to be before he it does it for the first time. What if, what if he has like something that he uses, like electricity or like whatever to time travel, but it's like a one-off, but he can't control it, and something random always comes up, like a dinosaur egg or something, just random, just like no. Oh, so like the reverse way, he brings something from the past. Exactly, and he like hopefully it helps out, and like half the times it kind of does, but like hmm. I don't know. Ah, man, like, and I guess another direction I was thinking of, like another, like a Bill and Ted type of thing, okay, where they man. go go like meet all these great, oh, you know, I, like I, historical leaders. I kind of like that better. <laughs> So I'm thinking like maybe Doc Brown meets like his great science men, like science idols, like oh. Einstein or like Isaac Newton or things like that. But like, how do we bring that in? You know, like, how do we tie that in? You know, be funny mm. if he has to do a heist with his greatest idols. That's I think that's yeah. That's what he has to good. do, like Einstein. Isaac Newton, Plato, like, just like <laughs> just randomly Genghis Khan's no Genghis Dead. They had Genghis Khan and Bill and Ted. Like Caesar. No, Caesar's in the two. <laughs> or I just just bring in more science people like Da Vinci or like I think that that would honestly make it kind of more interesting. And you could definitely mm-hmm. do it cartoony in a cartoon format. Yeah. I like I like that. Like Okay, okay. Maybe maybe the Lebanons the, 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 I don't say Lebanon. Libyans. The Libyans. Libyans. The, the, the terrorists. Let's just call it that. Because I don't want to name mm. a specific race because it gets kind of tricky. But <laughs> the, you know, the terrorists, they're like, hey, you need to steal this for us. Or like, we're going to destroy your town or whatever. And mm. Doc Brown, instead of doing the normal thing, he he just drags people out from their <laughs> from their past to, and forces them to help. I think, how, how, how do you feel about that? I like it. I like it. Okay. But the question is, how is he doing? How is he doing this before he knows how to time travel? Like, how is he bringing those people before he knows how to time travel? Like, I like your, like, that crazy experiment idea. Yeah, yeah. So, because, like, in the beginning of this, actually, one of of the things was, like, when I was saying that he was trying to finish his machine. So, he tests out the the time machine with his own power source, Mm -hmm. thinking that he can, you know copy the power level of like lightning bolt with his own electrical outlet or something like that um maybe like that makes creates a flash point for like the car to like go yeah yeah like quickly like go through like you know time travel Mm -hmm. and somehow it picks up these people like you know it's in their room they touch it and then like the next thing like it's just whipping by maybe he doesn't invent the car first but you know, when you think of time travel, maybe like a portal, like maybe a gateway or something. And Oh, you know, actually, fun fact, like one of the first draw ups for what the time machine was supposed to be was a fridge. That would be hilarious. Can you imagine Einstein coming out of a fridge? Frazzled. Yes. So maybe like make his first attempt at this be the fridge. Yeah. And then when he accidentally powers it, it just goes back and forth. Yeah. And I, I guess you know, it'll be hilarious. The fridge magnets are his favorite idols. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how he gets them. He's just like, I mean, maybe it's by accident. And he's like, the only way I could bring you back to your home is you if you help me go steal this thing. And like, he makes it, he, he sends them back home. And that's when he comes back to the terrorists. And then maybe he's also like, to him, it kind of feels like a dream that all happened. Yeah, yeah, we could definitely do something. I don't, I don't, I hate that cop out, but like maybe, but yeah, I think that'd be fun. I because like one of the, I think one of the lines that comes out in Back to the Future is that he, after he does the car for the first time, yeah, he says his dog is the first time traveler <laughs> in history. Yeah, interesting. Okay, but I, I like this. I like the direction that we're going with this. Maybe dog is the first time travel. Maybe the original, that's not his original dog, but that's a dog from his, when his childhood. That's the first one to come up from the refrigerator. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. The dog that we know of, like his dog was long dead, <laughs> but that's, <laughs> that's, that dog was the first one to travel time and come back to his presence. Okay. So we'll stick, we'll stick true to that. So the dog right. is the first time traveler. All right. 
All right. And that'd be, I feel like that'd be more fun. You know, it'd be like. That's a, I think that's a good twist. I okay. think bringing in the old scientists, wow. his idols into the mix. I think that's good. Okay. That's good. <laughs> All right. No. I, I, I do like this a lot better. I don't, it's like, again, you're right. Evil Doc Brown. That's too, Rick and Morty. That's Rick, that's Rick and Morty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I think this makes it a little more. Um, yeah. It that, still, that's, yeah. It still feels, like, it feels like an 80s movie. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who is, do you feel like, because you know, Michael J. Fox is Doc Brown's counterpart and like a, like, not a like an everyday person. Do you feel mm. like we need that? No, I think I wanted to stray from that just because okay. like to keep true to this Back to the Future timeline, Marty was never there for that week or okay. whatever he was doing. Uh-uh. He was kind of in the <laughs> dark about everything. Um, you know, and his sidekicks per- to say would be these idols that come out, you know, like those are the other characters for right. this. So we'll his ho- supporting. Do you, have, do you have any casting? I think Tom Hanks should be Einstein. I think that'd be hilarious. <laughs> Ooh, I was actually thinking Jeffrey Rush. Jeffrey, yes, actually that'd be great. Because he actually he played Einstein in the, in the TV series. It would be really funny. I, I I don't know if this is a gimmick, but like uh-huh. Michael uh, J- John Cena as Da Vinci. <laughs> <laughs> like he comes out of the fridge. This is, uh, maybe The Rock. No, 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 John Cena's a better actor. The Rock. John Cena comes out and you're like, yo, was the the was Da Vinci always this jacked? And like, <laughs> I think that'd be really funny. I don't know. That's stupid. That yeah. is stupid. But that'd be like a like a one of those scary movie things. <laughs> It really, but like, played off serious. I think maybe like, okay, so Einstein, I'd say Jeffrey Rush. Yeah. Um, let's see, Da Vinci and John Cena. Who's Isaac Newton? Um, Isaac Newton. So, so John Cena would be Da Vinci. Da Vinci, yeah. Or Newton. yeah, Newton could be. You know, one of the castings originally in my cast, I had. The terrorist, the the cast of terrorists. I wanted to be Isaac, Oscar Isaac, Rami Malek, and then Keegan Michael Key. That'd be, that's pretty great. <laughs> that's pretty good casting. <laughs> no, I like that. Huh? And then, so I guess let's stick to John Cena as Da Vinci. Oh, you should have. Uh, it's like you don't want all just white guys. We should have a uh, Madame Curie in it too. Oh, that's not, yeah. that's a good one. That's a good one. Radiation. <laughs> just like every, oh no, that that'd be perfect. Yeah, I yeah think that, that, and everyone and Doc Brown's like avoiding her at all costs. Like, <laughs> and she's not aware that I she's feel gonna like die of radiation. Then a good pick, Kristen Wiig. Oh, that I mean, obviously, they of course. Yeah. That'd be so good, and like <laughs> there needs to be one person that's not a scientist, just completely random person from history, like a Mister Rogers type. You know, I'm like what. <laughs> Who would that be? Who's like an innocent character in history? Like, just like, like Charlie Chaplin. Just, oh my gosh, that'd be so weird. Maybe try. No. Let's do. Let's do. Um, it's your pitch. You you figure it out. You know. You know what I mean, right? Do, let's do Buster Keaton. Buster. They need Keaton. somebody to do all the, the all the stunts, right? Like, and it's, oh, he's the he's the tightrope man. He's a he's the. Yeah. That'd be funny. And he does does he not talk the whole movie? That that'd be funny, but no, I think we should bring out his voice for this. Of course, sir. who'd you who'd you? Uh, I'm thinking of young Robert Downey Jr. That's pussy. Who would it mm. be? Buster Keaton. I mean, this is all voice acting, so. Oh yeah, mm. make it Robert, Robert Downey Jr. That'd be great. <laughs> yeah, why not? Uh I mean that's expensive cast, but I would I would watch this. Is, this sounds hilarious. This sounds we we've done it. I think we've made a pretty okay yeah yeah one. <laughs> i mean i, I mean I don't, you got you, those of you who are listening let us know what you think but yeah i yes. i would i would i don't know if i like it but i would definitely watch a f- episode i watch a clip or two <laughs> yes this would be a straight to streaming and if it's on netflix definitely is this a is this a tv or movie i forgot to ask no movie movie, movie, movie. Okay, okay yeah i don't think this is sustainable for a no. uh, tv show yeah who would do the music Gotta bring back Alan Silvestri. Of course, of course. Just keep it the same. No. <laughs> All right. I'll, David, I think we did the impossible and possibly pitched a prequel mo- a movie for it. Yes. Yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Thank <laughs> you for your help on that. You know, like, yeah, we we brought it to a good direction. Yeah, I'm, I'm really glad we stuck to the heist. It's like, I didn't want to do you dirty like that, but that's good. That's good. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, trust me, a lot of the 
things that I kept coming up in my mind was Rick and Morty. Rick yeah, and Morty, I know. It's because it's, like, it's hard not to. Yeah. It's like, oh, man. But, you know, that was a long one. But <laughs> glad we got that out. Was able to, like, create that good good ending or good solid story for this. Oh, yeah. But, uh, mm. David, where could our wonderful listeners find us, you know, as we're wrapping up today's episode? Yes. Of course, as always, you guys can find us on our Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for Repitch Podcast or look at the descriptions below. And if you guys got any, you know, comments, did you guys like this pitch? Did you guys not like this pre-pitch? You know, tell us what you think. Shoot us an email at repitchpodcast at gmail.com. And as always, just a big shout out to our friend Joe Yu, Mr. Pandamix, for helping us with the sound editing and everything. Look for his SoundCloud also in the descriptions below. Yeah, and to if you guys haven't listened to last Monday's episode, t- t- take a listen. We talk about the National Something Registry, <laughs> National Film Registry, National Film Registry. We talked about some movies that should be included. Very fun listen. Classic Richard and David rants. <laughs> but to end this movie, in a quote from this from Back to the Future, classic eighties. This is heavy. <laughs> yeah good line good line alright alright we'll see you guys later thank you guys